chapter three of a vanished hand this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. a vanished hand by sarah dowdney chapter three taking counsel but round me like a silver bell rung down the listening sky to tell of holy help a sweet voice fell whittier i shall consult miss saxon said elsie to herself sunshine was streaming in through the venetian shutters of her bedroom and the street was waking up to its busy morning life the light rested in soft yellow bars upon the wall and lit up the pretty frilled toilet cover which miss saxon's hands had made to those hands belonged that good gift of womanly skill which is a blessing to any household already elsie had learnt to rely upon their owner and believe in her sagacity if any one could help her in her perplexity it was surely miss saxon a spirit of peace seemed to brood over her little sitting-room when she sat down to breakfast perhaps the scene of a spiritual victory is destined ever afterwards to know an atmosphere of repose out of doors there was the clear blue of the spring sky the whiteness of snowy clouds floating out of the reach of the smoke the cheerful light warming the red tiles whereon the pigeons were taking their morning exercise altogether the world seemed to wear an encouraging aspect that day miss saxon had that gentleness of expression and manner which is often sweetest when youth has fled when elsie with her black dress and sad face had come to the house she was cheered by a hundred little tokens of thoughtful kindness the good fairy who had made the frilled toilet cover was always at work and her goodwill was manifested in pretty little flounces and furbelows which gave a sort of old-fashioned grace to the rooms a little later elsie was pouring out the story of her discovery of the manuscript and miss saxon was listening in her quiet fashion but her first words gave elsie a chill of disappointment at present i don't see how i can help you miss kilner she said that old table came into the house a few days before you arrived i happened to see it outside a broker's shop and thought it would be the very thing i wanted to fill up that corner and the shop is it near here elsie asked anxiously very near but i don't know much about the shopkeepers the man seemed rather rough but the woman was decent and civil we will go and make inquiries i thought that meta had lived here elsie said in a disappointed voice no your rooms were occupied for six years by a single gentleman he had something to do in the city and seemed to be a confirmed bachelor but he married at last and the rooms were vacant till you came to them if meta had ever lived in this street you would have known something about her would you not elsie asked i might have known we have lived here for many years and have seen many changes but there is no reason to suppose that she was ever here we have first to learn where the table came from before we can get any clue that can be followed so those two miss saxon and her eager lodger went out together while the morning was still fresh and bright 
looking back on that morning afterwards elsie remembered that everybody seemed to be seeking something people were hastening along women were going to the churches where there were daily services sisters in their white caps and black draperies marshalled a troop of little girls in red cloaks and seemed to have a world of business on their hands men stepped on briskly with a preoccupied air in all there was the great expectant human nature ever urging onward in all there was the universal life quest many if they had known what manner of quest it was which had called elsie forth would have laughed her to scorn others would have wondered some might have wished her godspeed leaving the two churches behind miss saxon led the way into another street in which a perpetual market was held here there were hungry faces sottish faces sickly faces and an endless pushing and jostling around the costermongers barrows it was a touching thing to see the poor bargaining for flowers ay and a hopeful thing too to those who can interpret signs aright they came at length to an old horsehair sofa an iron bedstead a bath and two or three hearth-rugs and behind these articles there was a narrow door which elsie entered with some reluctance if you are fastidious or superstitious a broker's shop in a low neighbourhood is hardly the place that you will choose to visit one does not know what unwholesome associations may be clinging to the chairs and carpets and pillows which hem you in on every side or one naturally recalls wild stories of haunted banjos and tambourines and tables which are said to slide about in an uncanny fashion of their own accord elsie was no weaker-minded than most women but it must be confessed that she followed her guide through that dark doorway after a moment's hesitation there was however nothing weird about the aspect of the woman who came forward with a baby in her arms to greet miss saxon she was still young and pretty with that delicate london prettiness which meets one in these crowded thoroughfares at every turn the baby had a shawl drawn over its bald head and peered out from its shelter with eyes just beginning to observe the sundry and manifold changes of its little world it is rather more than a fortnight ago since i bought a table here miss saxon began it was a very old-fashioned table with brass handles and claw feet do you remember it yes ma'am i do replied the woman after a moment's consideration here is a lady who wishes to know where that table came from she fancies it belonged to some one in whom she takes an interest continued miss saxon in her quiet voice we have come to know if you can tell us anything about it elsie's heart throbbed fast in the pause that followed the baby looked at her and gave a faint chuckle as if it triumphed in the thought that even grown-up people cannot find out all the puzzles of life it came from a house in dashwood street the woman said at last they had a regular turn-out of old furniture and my husband bought a good many things i'll go and ask him the number of the house she disappeared into a gloomy region at the back of the shop and was lost to sight for a minute or two he says twas one thirty-two she said emerging from the gloom baby and all we're very much obliged to you returned miss saxon not at all ma'am glad to have been of use to you elsie came away gaily from the broker's door in the belief that she was going to walk straight to the goal 
but miss saxon was less sanguine moreover she had no great faith in the manuscript and seemed disposed to think that it was written by some one who wanted to make a story it might have been intended for a magazine she suggested and the writer broke off short we have no proof at all that meta was a real person i own i have no proof elsie admitted frankly but i have a feeling that i must seek out jamie but perhaps meta is living and taking care of him still miss kilner people don't always die when they think their end is near as a matter of fact the more they think they are going the longer they stay i know she is dead i feel it rejoined elsie with unshaken conviction i'm guided by intuition it seems like a blind leap into the dark but i must search for jamie miss saxon looked kindly into the dark eyes which met hers with such an earnest gaze something may come of it she said after a pause well miss kilner i promise to help you and i will elsie clasped her hand suddenly i can't do without your help she cried dear miss saxon you are one of the born helpers some are born hinderers you know oh how glad i am that i am come to you i am glad too miss saxon answered with quiet warmth and then they walked away together in silence across portland place and on to dashwood street number one thirty two was a house which looked as if it could never have contained anything so old-fashioned as elsie's table it had been smartened up till it looked more like a doll's house than a human habitation in the windows there were yellow muslin curtains tied with pink sashes and amber flower-pots holding sham plants of the most verdant hue the maid who opened the door exactly matched the house she was like a cheap doll very smart very pert and capped and aproned in the latest style in answer to miss saxon's question she gave a curt reply no nobody of the name of pen had ever lived in that house mrs dodge was the mistress she didn't know anything about the name of pen mrs dodge took the house about two months ago please take my card to mrs dodge said elsie in a manner which instantly took effect they were invited to walk into a hall which smelt of new oilcloth and were solemnly ushered into the room with the green linen plants and yellow blinds presently mrs dodge dressed in harmony with her house came in with a rustle and a flourish she was a big woman with hair so yellow and cheeks so rosy that she seemed the very person to preside over this gaily coloured establishment at a sign from miss saxon elsie took the questioning into her own hands she described the table to begin with mrs dodge was bland and civil she had taken the house of her aunt an old lady who was getting too infirm to attend to lodgers it was filled from top to bottom with the most hideous old things and she had put them all into the broker's hands she fancied she remembered the table but could not be certain there were a good many queer old tables no she had never heard the name of pen but she had a young sister who knew all her aunt's friends better than she did she should be called the sister was called and proved to be a young and smiling copy of mrs dodge she remembered that she had once seen mrs penn about two years ago mrs penn was a small spare woman about fifty yes mrs penn had let lodgings somewhere she didn't know where and her aunt had bought some of her furniture there was an old table with claw feet among other things was the aunt living now elsie asked 
oh yes she was living at winchfield the girl answered but she was deaf and rather cross and it was a hard matter to make her understand anything mrs tryon stone cottage winchfield near the railway station elsie wrote the address in her notebook and left dashwood street with hope renewed we are getting nearer to the goal she said brightly you see now that mrs pen is a real person and if mrs pen is real then meta and harold and jamie are real also miss saxon replied yes i think you have proved that they are not mere phantoms and that is proving a good deal in a world which is full of uncertainties elsie cried don't laugh at me miss saxon i hear a voice calling me to go on you cannot hear it i know but you must trust to my ears i will trust you miss saxon answered with an admiring glance at the slight erect figure by her side elsie was a little above middle height and she walked with the step of a woman who has been accustomed to an out-of-door life as naturally graceful as the swaying of the grasses on a hillside all saint street was still warm with the morning sunshine when they came back to their door and elsie ran upstairs to her rooms with a light step difficulties and trials were to come but she had made a beginning End of chapter three